I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch? We don't love to watch Germans Causing Mischief. Oh, well, let me start with my customary fuck you. Yeah, let's let's start with that. So I'm gonna set the. I'm gonna, let me just lay a little backdrop. So this is the last week of America's very specific sweethearts month. It w- went great. Joe vs. the volcano because it's Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan movie. So Joe vs. the volcano, great. Sleepers in Seattle, a little disappointing to us, but like overall a pretty solid romantic comedy. Uh, and then you've got mail, great. Everyone loves it. The idea was, because they've only done three movies, and, and typically there's four weeks in a month, and we do four movies, let's end the month contrasting them. We talked about how much we love romantic comedies in general. Let's watch a couple with one of the two of them. So, one Tom Hanks romantic comedy, one Meg Ryan romantic comedy. Then we'll be able to see uh, if, if really there was something magical about their uh, charisma that that was lacking from these other movies. We could have some good conversations about whether we thought think the movies would be better with the other one as co-stars, whether they were successful on their own terms. And we picked uh, two movies, which is a lot to do. A lot of movies to watch. Uh, one that I'd never seen but was a big hit upon release, made three times its budget. Uh, the Money Pit, remake of a classic movie. Uh, and then one that I had seen when I was uh, like 11, 12, when it came out. Remember liking it. Uh, hadn't seen it since. And I thought, these are perfect. Perfect movies to compare and contrast. Meanwhile, uh, Peter started a new job. Uh, there is all this learnings and stuff that goes into that. He's only a couple weeks on his job. I can tell he's been a little stressed, but I don't blame him. Because you're just getting taken in so much information. And even though we had planned this month in advance, I was like, Peter... You know, I know you can do it. Please watch two movies this week. I think this is going to be a really good idea. So we watched two movies on a week when Peter didn't have time for one movie, if I'm being honest. And uh, I'm going to have to say, Peter, what are your thoughts on uh, the movies I I 100% personally chose and having to watch both of them in one week to record this fucking podcast? My thoughts? Yeah, let, are, just, just your general thought, not of the movies, but just the general experience. The general experience is that I, um, it was like you're living with a weird roommate, maybe say Howard Hughes, and you open up, <laughs> you, you go in the fridge. I, I think he wrote both of these movies. <laughs> yeah, you, you open the fridge and you say, huh. Howard made lemonade, and you grab a jar, and you start chugging it, and you go, oh, gross, oh, gross, and then you put the oh, jar down. Oh, unsweet lemonade. And you put the jar down, because it is piss. And um, then you go to the next jar, and you're like, this one also can't be piss. <laughs> and you drink it, and it, it is, it's still piss. Uh, but it's you're numb at that point, because you just drank piss. And so, like, you kind of your, – your your sensors are a little numbed. Uh, and that was my experience of watching The Money Pit and then IQ. Oh, yeah. So, so piss tasted was... better the second time because 
you know, I had already drank it the first time. In some ways, this was a big, terrible mistake uh, that we shouldn't have done. It was an idea. Yeah, it was a way to do it. It was a way to close out the month. It seemed like a good idea on paper, only to me. Hmm. Um, But, you know, that paper exploded. It didn't (laughs) even catch on fire. It's rare for paper to explode. But if you have the right uh, combination of combustibles, let me assure you, my friends, it can happen. Uh, (laughs) And uh, so so the paper exploded. makes me feel good. So that were you going somewhere with that? No. Sorry, yeah, I was going somewhere. <laughs> so, in some ways, our kind of our kind of point at the beginning of this month that hey, we like romantic comedies. We like the general formulate nature. It fills a gap. We enjoy it. We're not one of those people that's like, oh, romantic comedies suck. Well, let me tell you, this didn't exactly prove that point to the way that we were hoping. I do like romantic comedies, but just like any genre, turns out there's some real bottom-of-the-barrel crap, and these picks were those. Someone should have called and warned us. You guys all listened to it. Really, if anything, this is your fault. Someone should have sent us a message like you do so often and been like, Aaron, Peter, pick different movies. I've seen these, but you didn't. That's on you. And that's why you're going to have to listen to an episode on this. The second thing, though, I, and I do think we have proven this point. So in some ways, I would say this is a rousing success. And that is that Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan work very well together. Uh, and I would say both of these movies, and I want to talk about this a little more in detail, would be improved if the other one starred in them. I don't know if either would be good movies, but I think that Shelley Long and her demeanor and the way that she approached the material and Tim Robbins and his general vacuous nature. <laughs> Why was Tim I Robbins like, a fucking leading man? Here's the yeah, God, I want to get into that because All right, we'll get Tim Robbins it. is is so like I like Tim Robbins. He's in so many good movies and where he's the lead in them. But like his like what he's bringing to the table as a leading man is like if you need someone who uh, is literally a vacuum for charisma and personality. He is the best option for that. Which is why he's so good as like the terrible boyfriend in High Fidelity. It's why he's so good in something like Bull Durham, where he is like, I'm a dumb idiot. And obviously, Shawshank Redemption and Hudsucker Proxy. Yeah. Hudsucker Proxy was made way more of a character actor piece and fits into my theory that he should have been a weird character actor and never a leading man. Continue. But those are but those are perfect. Those are perfect leading uh, leading man roles because Shawshank, the whole thing is no one can quite figure him out. So he's supposed to be almost like unreadable and like rarely showing emotion and stuff like that. And Hudsucker Frank Proxy... Darabont, Frank Darabont was doing the work around him yeah, to make exactly. him enigmatic and mysterious. Exactly. Hudsucker Proxy 2. Really great example of that, where uh, he's being used by everyone and anything, and he, like, um, he is just kind of a weirdo that they're like, whatever, he's making us money, and then they throw him the side when he does. Like, those are good examples of using his... He does have a very specific charm. Uh, as we saw from IQ, a uh, compelling romantic lead is not one of those charms. No. Um, but I, I think we're I think we're I think we're still on track. And that's uh, that's also proving a point outside of Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. Uh, the, un, the unofficial name for the theme of this month is Meg's going to give it to you. 
Yeah, you um, very you you really tried hard to usurp the agreed upon theme name in a, in various posts and show notes, <laughs> but it but it is America's very specific sweethearts. Uh, I'll I'll sidebar for a second. I actually thought when you posted the Joe versus the volcano episode, we we obviously have shared admin uh, abilities in our Facebook page, but we post usually under "We Love to Watch," which means that uh, you don't know who's posting it. Uh, because we are one, we are legion. Because we are one, we are legion. I thought about editing your post about what month it was for Joe versus the volcano. Now we've never done that. We've never crossed that line of like I'm actually going to change what Peter said here into something else. But I I almost did it because I thought it was a very violent way to try to usurp uh a con- basically a contract that we both agreed. <laughs> um, I. I don't know what you're no saying. No consultation. You just posted, oh, it's Meg's going to give it to you month. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like not even a pun. No. It's because you X just going to give just, it to you. No. X. Oh, I, Meg's. Peter. Peter. X. Say them together. Pe- Peter. Yeah. I want to be very clear. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Barely a layer, okay? Like, I understand what you were doing. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I don't know how to put this. And I get it, because God knows there's tons of things that are only funny to me. <laughs> okay. I'm pretty sure there's one of those only funny to you things. And guess what? I'm still laughing. <laughs> Four <laughs> weeks later, still funny to me. Um, okay, anyway. But sometimes we do come up with the name of a theme late into the month. Which is, uh... Because, you, no, go back to your original point. Don't try to explain away your malfeasance. Uh, anyways, my original point was that uh, we were trying to make a larger point about romantic comedies. And that's that the natural charm and the natural wit and how much you already... How much baggage you bring in about the actor can severely affect how good the... the good, in quotes, the rom-com is. Because... Uh, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan had the ability to elevate meh lines. Yeah. And the biggest, point I want to make, the, the biggest point I want to make about these movies. And you've got mail. Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan make you forget about the fact that the plot is about a man driving a woman out of business. And it, an independent woman <laughs> in a women-owned bookstore in New York uh, by a bunch of fucking finance bro well, dudes who are hold on but peter you say it like it's bad but as you know very clearly as part of the disclaimer of new york city it's if you can make it here you can make it anywhere and clearly what tom hanks proved is that meg ryan cannot make it anywhere at least of all new york city <laughs> well it's, it's that's not so the city works. i think the city is on tom hanks aside that's currently, all currently currently the that's not how the logic work currently the logic is Anywhere minus New York is where she can make it. I mean, possibly, but we know definitively she cannot <laughs> not make, make it, it in New York. York. <laughs> um, no, she can't. Um, she went out of business. But the the point of this is that in a in a good rom com or a movie with with charming actors at the performing at the peak of their abilities, it can make you forget. The movie shortcomings or that those weird sort of like nagging thoughts. But on the flip side, if the actors aren't delivering or if they have nothing to work with, 
there's nothing for them to deliver on. There's no magic to be made in yeah. IQ or Money Pit because there's pretty much nothing there. They're both half scripts. Uh, IQ should have been thrown out. Money Pit, I think, could have been reworked into a good movie. Um, I think IQ should have been thrown out altogether. But, like, but Money Pit was a good movie. It was a good movie. Well, it yeah. was a it was a passable film that I would have gone, haha. Two and a half out of five, or whatever. Three out of five. Have you have you seen Mister Blandings Builds His Dream House? Uh, no. Oh, so it's I never heard of it before this month. Oh, okay. Uh, it's on. It's on like the AFI's old like top one hundred comedy movie. So I saw it. A while I think it's ago. AFI's top one hundred larfs. Larfs. Sorry, <laughs> uh, but it's Cary Grant, uh, and it's I want to talk about it a little because it's really the way that they change what the like house represents and how it like what the movie's about around it is insane and like taking what the core of that movie is and they're just like broken house frustrations <laughs> like they missed the point so uh we we can talk about that but yeah i mean the money pit very clearly was a passable movie at one point until the screenwriter was like now it's about infidelity. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think that the... Uh, I don't think either movie succeeds. Meg Ryan make... And Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks managed to make small moments within them work. Yep. But that just makes it so they're not the worst movies of all time, as opposed to somewhere above really really bad they're they're just yeah. in, they're in the regular bad category that neither of them is in the really really bad category because tom hanks and meg ryan managed to scrape out that extra star for them well and i actually think it shows the reason why we're doing this month like the reason that tom hanks and meg ryan are like america's sweethearts and people like seeing them in movies is they do have undeniable chemistry together that like as you said peter elevates the material what these are two examples of which is really you know the the only true killer of a romantic comedy is if the leads don't have chemistry and holy shit do the leads not have chemistry in both of these movies, which was not on purpose, but it definitely is good at reflecting then the movies we saw, which they well, while the other three movies are of varying degrees of quality, but I think all at least are at good to great. What you find here is that without any chemistry, like you can't support that. People don't like How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is not a good movie. And I would say it's much worse than the other three movies that we did earlier this month. But it's extremely watchable because Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson have great chemistry. Like some of the other ones that we named, like Fever Pitch. I don't know if they got edited out of episodes, but we were talking of like these like pleasant romantic comedies that we really enjoy. The the thing that all of those have in common is that you bought the two people as a couple and you're right all those little moments where they're kind of flirting with each other or you know giving each other the business or whatever else they seem real so that even if the lines suck the directing sucks the story's contrived or or all of the above at the end of the day you're watching two people that you want to see together and that's what is like the bare bones requirement for a romantic comedy the same way like you know action movies need to have well choreographed action scenes the story can be shit everything else can be bad but like you need to at least go when they get the guns firing you need to go yeah they're shooting some stuff and that explosion looked cool like if you don't have that you're not gonna have 
a passable action movie. If you don't have chemistry, you're not going to have a passable romantic comedy. And unfortunately, these two movies are uh, exhibits A and B of like the stars have no chemistry. As I was watching both of these, I was picturing the other one in the role and how that would change line deliveries and little moments and how it would, in, especially in like the money pit, would to- I think would totally change Shelley Long's character because Meg Ryan's a different actress completely than Shelley Long and how that would make a lot of stuff more palatable or that there's some investment in the relationship to begin with. Like, I do think that these movies would be two, two and a half, maybe even three star movies if they would have starred the uh, their other half, essentially. Uh, I agree entirely because there's a natural charm with those two together. There's a magic that was never recaptured. And I'm surprised that in the early 2000s, when both their stars had waned, there wasn't like one last like Spielberg produced, like, uh, you know, Kathleen Kennedy, at least stepping in uh, rom-com between the two of them. But you you touched on something that with the chemistry thing. Yes. Shelley Long and Tom Hanks have no chemistry. Meg Ryan and, 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 uh, and not Tim Burton. What's his name? I think Tim Burton would have had more chemistry. With <laughs> yeah, Tim Burton famously has been on screen for like 11 minutes total. Um, uh, I like darkness. Ooh, <laughs> interesting. And she's like, this movie's so bright. This is a good contrast. She's like, you know what? I think I can make it work, honey. No, uh, Meg Ryan and what's his name? Tim, not Tim Roth. Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins. Uh, I, I walked around it. I said Burton and Roth. Um, so uh, they Just also have that zero he stole chemistry. your money. And I think that that actually the lack of chemistry and the way that the movies react to the the coupling uh, actually reflects the stars and what makes them work, even though the movies don't. So like the Money Pit has this sort of it has this sort of like effortless. Uh, I mean, it's lazy, but it has a sort of effortless tone to it where uh, Tom Hanks and Shelley Long are not doing these these big romantic gestures where they, they stare into each other's eyes and there's big soaring violin music or whatever. And there's no there's no big set pieces for like that. All the big, you know, super, uh, super dreamy or, you know, super unrealistic sequences are in the Home Alone-esque uh, you know, house collapsing in on itself moments. Um, in the actual moments between the two of them, it's played very small, very lazy, and very sort of like uh, un- underwritten, underscripted. And uh, it doesn't work because those two don't have a natural chemistry. It's unadorned and also not pretty. <laughs> and then flip over to the Meg Ryan side with IQ. They are f- Force, they're using all of these these big Hollywood tricks to try and make Meg Ryan and Tim Robbins seem like an appealing couple to us. And they're using tricks that work for Meg Ryan. They're using it because she's like this, like, she's a, she's like flippy and she, she puts on this big show. Like, she's not natural and effortless. She, she, she's not lazy. She... She's known for being, like, neurotic, but cute while being neurotic, right? Yeah. And so she's known for putting on a bit more of, like, a theatrical sort of, like, well, here's everything uh, style. And and IQ is very much a movie like that. It's very much like, well, we can't just have this sweet little moment sit here. We also need to have a a, a 50s love song playing or, like, a big orchestral string playing. And in both cases, unadorned with Tom Hanks and very much adorned with Meg Ryan, it falls flat on its fucking face. They have nothing to play off of. Like, 
it's it, it it truly is like a a dance or like a duet like that's what a romantic comedy is so like you know the best guitar player in the world sounds like shit if the drums are off beat tom hanks and meg ryan are clearly better at this than their co-stars in these movies but they still seem totally off like you can't maintain this type of thing alone like if tom hanks was doing a different movie where he was like a single guy who bought a bad house, like he would be changing his dynamic to not have the component of the fighting with his girlfriend about how all this is working. And he would just be, you know, doing it himself. And that would have changed his performance and maybe made it a better one overall because he's not like trying to, he's not like handing off the baton only for the baton to be like throwing out the window and then like collapsing into the dirt or whatever happened as a tree falls on it in this movie. Like, you know, there's no one to pass the baton to. So it's it's missing even even and Meg Ryan's the same thing. Like she's giving that energy to Tim Robbins and Tim Robbins is like, did you say something? I almost fell asleep with my eyes open. <laughs> like his vibe. <laughs> like there's nothing there's not there's nothing to get back to. Like, how do you react to that? They do OK. But there's something big missing. And I've seen Meg Ryan in other romantic comedies. Like, we've seen When Harry Met Sally. Uh, I think even there's another movie I'm forgetting from the 90s that I debated doing that I'd also seen. And I've seen it more recently. And she has great chemistry with whoever that person is. And it's like, and Meg Ryan just, it like, in her, with her friend, she just is so natural in her performance. Like, it feels like IQ is like, they like gave her like she's so good. Let's give her a brick wall. And yeah, she does okay. But yeah, it's still she, a brick wall. And they also gave her. And we'll we'll get to it with IQ. But they gave her like an insufferable script that doesn't. It doesn't feel natural to what her charms are at all. Like they don't give her the proper fuel. I think the movie at first seems like a perfect Meg Ryan vehicle. Like you know. A woman is just trying to figure figure everything out. She's kind of stuck in the middle, but you know it, it's fun. It's fun to watch her kind of work through this quarter life crisis, yeah. uh, third life crisis, whatever. Uh, and uh, it's fun to watch this happen, but it's not fun to watch this happen in, in this movie because they give her irritating, smug dialogue. It's, it's, it, it makes you hate Bert, both her and Tim Robbins. And both of these movies, both of them, have an incredibly unnecessary distractionary point that, like, just completely – like, they could have been these, like, chill-out rom-coms. And instead, they are like, you know what we really need to do? Make the whole plot hinge on something that's going to annoy the shit out of the audience. But here's here's the thing I would say – one of them is an entire relationship predicated on a lie, and the other one is, like, uh, male insecurity and infidelity and, like, lying and stuff like that. Uh, and we'll talk – we'll definitely drill down to those a little more. Um, I say a little more because we're not planning to go too deep into both these movies. Yeah. So we'll touch on it. But <laughs> but I think those two things are unfortunately very present in romantic comedies. Like, again, I'm going to go back to my point. At the end of the day, if you're – if if the if they don't have chemistry and you're not at least somewhat caught up in a love story, then you start looking at these movies with a very critical eye. Now, the scene at the end of the Money Pit, I think, would have stood out even if they had chemistry because it's the fucking worst. But 
like how many romantic comedies are based on like one person keeping a secret like we cut this out of another episode because we couldn't believe it but what's that that c thomas howell movie where soul man oh yeah that is literally a romantic comedy ultimately that's based on like a lie that he is a black person to another black person he falls in love with like as we looked up the, the Wikipedia summary, aghast. Like, that's actually one of my biggest frustrations with the genre in general is they lean way too heavily on someone's got a secret or someone is still, you know, cheats or something like that. How will they get over this? Like, that's the third act conflict. So, unfortunately, they are tired tropes. They're used here. They're in a lot of other romantic comedies. The reason why they just feel so like, fuck you in these movies is because it doesn't have the one thing these movies need to be successful. Like, so they stand out more. You're watching it. And you're like, oh, I hate them. And now I hate them individually. Like, I hate them as a couple. But now I hate Tim Robbins individually and both Tom Hanks and uh, Diane. S- spoiler. Uh... My reaction to the first movie was, I hope the house collapses in and kills them both. Would have been a great ending, to be honest. Um, if if they just kept fighting and tearing at each other and they're like, and then the minute before the, the they were supposed to like decide who gets the house, um, the house just collapses in and kills them. Then, yeah. and they keep talking about a comet in IQ. I want that comet to come down and kill both Meg Ryan and uh, Tim Robbins. Yeah. It's the 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 money pit one is so bad because it starts out where you're like, oh my god, they made Shelley Long's character, uh, like the worst person. It's like what what were they doing? Like they really were treating her like a fucking Jezebel or some shit. And then t- it like I'm looking at the time, like there's 20 minutes left of this movie, and she's like outright lying and he's like please just tell me and he's like yep no i'm lying like lies again it's like how are we supposed to come back around on her they're both like that's trash. what i was thinking like he well but hold on trash. but then but but in that moment it's like holy shit what the writing is extremely unfair to her this sucks and then two minutes later they're like okay well we can't redeem shelly long what if we bring down tom hanks too <laughs> Uh, so they're both trash. <laughs> yeah, and then you're like, and then you're like, all right, let's uh, let's get invested in this yeah. compromised relationship. Put all yeah. your luggage onto this boat with a bunch of holes in it. It's bad. So, anyways, we're starting to get into it. Uh, I think I think we'll probably talk one at a time with some contrasting. Probably try <laughs> I thought to you meant short... like I'll talk about Money Pit, and then we'll do a switch over, and you yep. talk about IQ. <laughs> Uh, I think what we'll do is you only are allowed to talk about Money Pit. I'm only allowed yeah. to talk about IQ. We'll not build off each other's conversations hey. at all. Hey, no. Money Pit was one and a half stars. And then uh, IQ was one star. And then you're like, no, IQ was one and a half stars and Money Pit was one star. Yeah, so let's 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 get through this. Are you ready to talk more about IQ and the Money Pit? Not really. Great. Feel your every breath, I hear the words you say And I keep turning back to hear the music play I make no promises, those promises can break you How can you call me, warning me like yesterday 
Uh, we are back, which I'm not supposed to say, but we, we but we're back. Um, we're also not supposed to watch bad movies, and we did it. No, so we're gonna do this quick. So, uh, which which recap do you want to take? I'll do Money Pit. Okay, so I'll do IQ. We'll knock this really quick. Talk about IQ. Do Money Pit. Just go home. Uh, Shelly Long is divorced from this. Uh, are we wait? Are we doing guy? them at the same time? No. <laughs> yeah, let's do it at the same time. All right. One, okay. So IQ two, three. <laughs> Shelly Long is uh, divorced from this maestro, and uh, she's dating Tom Hanks, and she's getting kicked out of her apartment because the maestro gave her like a year to hang on the apartment. Tom Hanks doesn't have an apartment because he was living with her for a little bit, and. Uh, they, uh, she needs to go find a place. And then Tom Hanks and her scramble their money together and they manage to find this crazy deal out in the suburbs of New York City. City of like, Pizza. City can we of just Pizza pause It's a million dollar house selling for $200,000 because of circumstances. If they were able to pull together $200,000, why can't they just get a fucking apartment? Uh, yeah, yeah. Great question. Anyway, uh, anyway, <laughs> go just go past it as quickly as possible. So they move out to the suburbs and then immediately the house starts falling apart. The movie... Spends an hour on the house falling apart and being bad, and then being like, "Oh, honey, the relationship," and yeah, honey, it's gonna be fine. Then she goes back to the city for comfort, I guess, and then she ends up uh, in quotes sleeping with her ex husband, the maestro. Uh, and then she comes home. She lies to Tom Hanks about it. Eventually, she comes clean. He calls her a whore. The house is being worked on by lunatics this whole time. Uh, and they're like, oh, he the job done pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. They're like trying to figure figure it out. Uh, uh, they have to do pipes and stuff. They got to do big pipes. They got to do wood. And they, and- Anytime anyone asks, they're like, two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> it's a joke about contractors. It's something that millennials <laughs> will never understand. That's because we just burn our houses to the ground and get insurance money. Yeah, that's, that, is, that, that is what we do. Uh, that, that is the standard packing order. Uh, and hope that the insurance money allows us uh, a small, small micro home dash RV. Uh, they yell at each other and they're like, well, I'm not leaving. And he's like, I'm not leaving because they both put in $100,000 in this fucking house. And then eventually uh, con- uh, the, the head of the job is like, you guys, you should fall in love. The, the the foundation is good. And the whole audience is like, the foundation is not good. These people don't respect each other. And then they fall in love because of movies. Hold on. You're forgetting the I shouldn't say the worst part because it's all the worst part. But so he, she thinks she got so drunk, and then her former fiance uh, husband said, "Yeah, no, we fucked." And she so fun date rape, uh, and then because she doesn't remember at all. But then at the end, he's like, "I was lying. I, I, like, I, I slept was lying. in the other bed like a gentleman. I didn't date rape you." And she's like. Oh, good. Now I can tell that to Tom Hanks, and he'll know I'm and not also a whore. The like he yelled at me in front of all the contractors. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, well, I just got to take this back in front of all the contractors. Yeah. She um, was lied to about being raped, so now I'm okay with it. So, I don't know if you noticed uh, you're that the movie took a turn. <laughs> it was not good beforehand, but it became very much a, what the fuck is this? Now- I hope everyone felt a sense of ominous tone when I said the word the maestro. (laughs) He's going to come back and ruin this movie forever. He's not. He's not. Yeah. What is like? He's clearly an extra from Die Hard. 
Uh, yeah, wait, no, isn't he, isn't he the guy? He may be in Die Hard, he may Isn't not he be. the That'd blonde be the... guy that, like, uh, fucking John McClane kills his brother, and he's like, I must have John McClane's blood. If it's not, it's his twin. And then he chokes on a, uh, ch- a chain, and he's like, yeah. and, he's, and John McClane's like, I'm choking on this chain. Is the chain around, pal. Yep, uh, classic line from Die Hard. Turn around, pal. <laughs> and then John McClane's the like, gonna "Shoot give it him, to family matters, Dad." Next time, bring Urkel as your backup, <laughs> <laughs> but not Stephen Urkel, Stefan Urkel, because he's one cool cat. <laughs> it's called the Double Tap. I can't do a good Urkel impression. Can you do it? Uh, no. It's called the uh, Double just- Tap. I don't know what that is. It is not an Urkel impression. Uh, it's definitely uh, an impression of something. Fuck Urkel. Um, that fucking creep. Yeah, fuck that guy. Uh, so you haven't seen Mr. Blandings. I have so not let me seen tell you Mr. What, Blandings, no. Let me tell you what Mr. Blandings is about. Again, the Lapidate House, true. It is about Cary Grant sees the house, knows it's a piece of shit, and is like, I'm going to build the American dream here. And convinces his wife, and he has kids, and he's like, we're going to do this. Like, he sees it as a project to get, you know, 1940s, a little piece of land, and all that kind of stuff. He's like, I'm going to do it myself. We're going to sink all our money into this house, and I'm going to fix it all myself. And he proceeds then to get into a lot of uh, scrapes with his house, and the fixing not working, and everything else, while, you know, 1940s movie wife is like... Trying to be supportive, but also, like, you're becoming more and more insane trying to build this house. Uh, And then eventually, I forget the exact circumstances, but it works out. But the movie's really about, like, stubbornly, you know, Cary Grant. The comedy comes from him stubbornly refusing to acknowledge his mistake to more and more ridiculous levels. Up until the point that he finally accepts he fucked up and then whatever the, the thing that gets them out of it at the end. This is so much different and worse because, like, that's a movie. That's a movie you can build. It's a stubborn husband, thinks he's going to be able to fix this house, and then comedy hijinks ensue when he it, it is so fucked up and he can't fix it. Like, it, that's essentially 50% of plots of Home Improvement episode, and that was a number one rated sitcom on ABC oh, oh, oh. for years. So that, like, that works as a comedy concept. You know what doesn't work as a comedy concept? Tom Hanks uh, buying the house as a trap and then having all these things discovered with the house and then 24 hours later going, fuck this. So we lost all the money. Let's leave the house. So that's like the beginning of the movie. So there's no – he doesn't have any reason to stay because they didn't know they were buying a house that was this much of a mess uh, in contrast to Mr. Blandings. And he because he has no personal passion and he's like, let's get the fuck out of here. And then there's, like, some, you know, back and forth with, like, Shelley Long's like, well, I think we can make this work. And he's like, I'm telling you, I can't. This house sucks. Like, things are falling apart left and right. Like, there's nothing there because there's no relationship. There's no family. There's no, like, core. There's no reason for them to stay in that house. Uh, Not personal pride, not anything besides, like, where else are we going to live? But then you feel just as trapped as the character. It's like, it's like, oh, this kind of sucks. The house itself can't be the whole plot driver. There needs to be something that's like driving the characters to rebuild this fucking, uh, yeah, like trap house from Mousetrap or some shit. Yeah, you're right. These guys should go on Chapo. It's such a trap house. 
Ooh, I'm glad it's gonna be a short episode. <laughs> uh, yeah the the entire plot of the movie is in, unnecessarily convoluted, and they think yeah. they think that if they throw chaos at you, it will make things funnier, which is uh, untrue. Um, yeah. yeah. And there needs to be a reason why someone is putting up with all that fucking chaos. Where in the original, it like there was a reason. It was like fucking a prideful idiot. Like that's that's but that's a reason. That's like something where every time a sink falls on his head and he's like, No, like, we're gonna do it again. It's my Cary Grant impression, I guess. <laughs> uh, pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. You know, but like here there's there's just no driving force, so it is just a stupid like Saturday Night Live skit or something. And then the other problem is so this is when this is right before or during so Shelley Long leaves Cheers in eighty seven. She does the thing that like so many failed TV to movie stars do, which is like, I'm gonna leave this show and go to a movie career as opposed to like like a Bruce Willis situation or something where like you let the mo- the TV show run its course and then audiences are like, in some cases, I still want to see that guy. And then you reinvented, but like the David Caruso from NYPD Blue, there's so many other examples of like, when they like seeing you on the show and the show is still there, it doesn't usually work because no one's fa- no one's like, I need to see Shelley Long. She's like, fuck her. I, I just want to watch Cheers. Yeah. She was not a necessary component of the show. And they replaced her with someone who we had, we all ended up hating anyways, which is like Cheers' greatest, uh, greatest crime is that we, uh, we end up disliking all of Sam Malone's girlfriends at some point. Yeah, but I, I think – like I really like Rebecca and I think – Diane leaving was well. Everyone thought, well, this the whole show is built upon the will they won't there, and that was really strong. It was the classic by, Sam and Diane relationship. They even yeah. named the characters after that. That was the order of things. <laughs> it's such a common trope. People are going to call us out for it. We might as well just say we get it. We know the trope. That's why we're naming them <laughs> Sam and Diane. But that is actually a show that overall got funnier once. Shelley Long left because it had more time to focus on its uh, lovable cast of characters. Yeah, and Rebecca was such a different character that there was like not the will they or won't they, but she ended up just being like it became a show about insane misfits that had all found each other, even though the first five seasons really kind of define that classic will they won't they situation. It is the later seasons that are much funnier, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Cheers gets better as time went on. And I don't want to just throw Shelley Long into the bus, but she is not this versatile comedy actor the way no. Meg Ryan is. And who could be held to that standard? Well, but I think she's also just, and I, I feel bad, it's like Shelley Long is very good on Cheers. But as that character, think, yes. As that character. She's not versatile, and I don't think she has much, like, movie screen presence. Like, I don't get a read on her character at all in this movie. And some of that's bad writing, but the flip side is I've seen other Shelley Long movies that she was in. I haven't seen all of them, but the ones – there's two that she's really good in, and that are the Brady Bunch movies. But again, that is – that is a sh- that is a movie that is trying to look like a TV show, and she excels there. I was just, there are people that just 
like are good at playing to the small screen and there's people that are good at playing to the on a bigger scale and like she just does not do well in this role and i as i was watching it with the meg ryan stuff it's like oh i can totally see meg ryan in this role like where she is like playing her neurotic like okay no we can do this it's okay like it's okay that the stairs just fell down like okay we're gonna get through this together and that like enables natural chemistry with tom hanks and maybe the weird plot doesn't even happen because it doesn't make sense with the way the characters are interacting we're here like the stairs fall down and shelly long's like oh the stairs fell down great what character is this where she's just like she's just like everything's gonna be okay everything's gonna be okay and then she's the one that freaks out so much that she needs to run back to her ex-husband if not for a sexual role but like for a comfort role because he's rich that doesn't that doesn't track like we don't see her freaking out enough that 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 whole moment makes any sense it just feels like it's another comedic moment of incident and that's money pit's greatest true greatest crime is that when the craziness starts to happen, the dramatic craziness, it just feels like it's part of the fun. It completely derails the movie. Like, it's not just part of the fun. It's a serious moment. Someone yeah. committed an act of infidelity, which is serious. And then someone reacted to it with the utmost disrespect, which is also very serious. And then it makes you hate both of them. <laughs> the maestro thing also is just not funny from the start. I think I think Shelley Long I think Shelley Long is talented and, and as an actor and like I think that like the reason that people love her in such specific roles like people love her she's the lead in Beverly Hills Troop right Be- yeah Troop Beverly Hills Troop Beverly Hills um, I was I was uh, just taking the Beverly Hills Cop naming convention and just adapting <laughs> yeah. it uh, but the people love her and but people love her in that maybe the the trick is that she needs a good director a good and a good specific role to succeed and when but you she's give playing her, like a diane like a know-it-all that's what she's really good at and when you and when you give her she's not a sort versatile of, when you give her a sort of looser set of yeah she's not versatile when you give her a looser set of uh constraints like in this where she's just kind of like supposed to be like hey uh react to this crazy moment she's just sort of like i don't i don't know what to do ha 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 ha. like she just throws noise at the camera there's no there's no there's no truth in it there's no there's no comedy there's no nothing and like i I just want to park right here the reason i like rom-coms and the reason i like comedies is because rom-coms and then generally speaking comedies tend to make more room for women that can just play to the camera. Like, the reason I like movies like Girls Trip is because there's a bunch of fucking funny women in the movie that know exactly how to play to the camera even when the script is failing them. And I think that rom-coms create a lot of situations where, like, women are set up to succeed even if it doesn't fit gender it doesn't fit uh their typical gender roles and that's one of the reasons rom-coms can be very fun is because women that are allowed to be neurotic they're allowed to be self-conscious they're allowed to be quote-unquote slutty like they're allowed to be promiscuous and like that's what's fun about these movies and in this Shelley long is just this vacuum there's a part of me that like thought for most of the movie that she is supposed to be like nonplussed and that's her character 
Like Tom Hanks is the crazy manic one who's freaking out. She's like, yeah, everything's fine. But then again, this is where the bad, but she doesn't sell that very well. She can't be the straight man in this movie. The straight man has to be some sort of like fucking county board investigator or something. Like, this doesn't work. Because it's not investing you in their relationship because you're like, well, why are these two dating? Because Because she's so distant. She's not reacting in the way he is at all. Exactly. And part of that's writing, but it's also because like, like Shelley Long is good at playing big, which works sometimes better on TV, right? Like, you know, big, over the top, stressed out. Like, it's so funny because she is good at that role. And here she's just like, all right, well, I guess the stairs fell out. Good luck fixing that. And you're just like, what the fuck character is this? But then you're like, okay, she's supposed to not be freaked out. She's the calm one. That's their dynamic, even though we don't get to see that dynamic except in these weird moments. And then she's the one that freaks out and is like, I think I got to leave him. And you're just like, what the fuck? You're the one that's not stressed out. I guess you are. Like, it's not all Shelley Long's fault. Like, the writing of this movie is terrible. But I also don't like... I don't get what she was trying to do. And again, if Meg Ryan was in this role, I think you actually have the germ of something that could be not a good movie. But again, Meg Ryan's like almost like obsessive need to seem in control of the situation when she's having these kind of hilarious like minor freakouts would have been a nice addition. And also you can see how that would bond them as a couple because then, you know, one person's calming the other one down depending on where they're at in their freakouts. Like, that's how you build chemistry, which you can, like, I can literally picture those scenes that don't exist as, like, that would have been good. And instead, you have no comfort. No one's ever, like, on the same page with how they feel about the house. The audience has no idea, like... It's it's just bizarre. So but, this reminds me yeah. of my complaint with the Meet the Parents movies. Is that the Meet the Parents movies are stress, 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 stress the whole way through. It's just like there's no moment of relief. You don't get any sense of who Ben Stiller's wife is after the first 15 minutes. Or excuse me, his fiance, I guess. Um, and then eventual wife. Um, you don't get any sense of that. You just get like, this is a man going through hell and it's supposed to be funny. And it's, yeah. And it, 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 and the fact that the fates have conspired against him is supposed to be funny. I don't, I don't dislike meet the parents. It, 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 it definitely has funny moments. Yes. Yes. More than the money pit. Yeah. Meet the parents is a, is a very well-made version of this kind of movie where just everything goes wrong, but like there's no comedy in Bad thing happened, bad thing happened, bad thing happened. It's uh, the comedy needs to be more like subversive and, and, and play with your expectations more. Or it like, needs to be truly like a dark comedy. Like you need to go like War of the Roses. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, or you lean into the sincerity and the sweetness of it and say like, like have moments throughout where Ben Stiller is actually like connecting with his fiance and saying like, you know, all this hell, this hell is worth it for you. And in Money Pit, the closest we get to that is a scene of them having impersonal sex and then guys are watching and they turn it into a comedy moment. Yeah, it's it, there's there's literally no moment of chemistry that is like, oh, this is why these two love each other. Um, and that's my yeah. just yeah. And most of the time they're literally separated like. 
you know, when the stairs fall down, Shelly's upstairs and Tom's downstairs. Like, they don't even get to share a frame that often. When they do, one of them's going in the other direction or literally on a different three-dimensional plane. Yeah. Like, how do you build a relationship that you're supposed to, at the end of this movie, feel like they saved the house? They saved the relationship, and it's like, no, you should have bombed the house to smithereens, and you should break up and run away, and maybe both have some counseling about how you guys approach uh, your relationships. But you're right, like, the, the meet the parents problem is there, too, where it's like, the the biggest problem with meet the parents, and I didn't, uh, I'm not the one who originated this criticism, is like, they're supposed to be in, like, a long-term relationship, yet Ben Stiller's like, hey, your dad electrocuted me. And she's like, you must have just been confused. <laughs> like, that clearly didn't happen. Well, that's, that's like, she, like you're not noticing. <laughs> no, I think I know that your dad electrocuted me. <laughs> like, there's something that's wrong in that relationship where, to keep that mystery and that dynamic alive, where you literally have, I've been horribly abused, this terrible thing happened. And, and she's like, you, you're mistaken. That did not happen. That couldn't have happened. Like... Either either there's, like, she is brainwashed by her father, and there's something fucked up there, or, like, I don't, I don't know, like, if if I thought that my wife was making up that, like, hey, your dad locked me in a closet for a week, like, uh, my wife might be like, uh, yeah, we're breaking up? Because that's a big <laughs> thing to be like, you must have imagined it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's 100% like, this is either true, or it's false, and whichever answer depends about whether or not I'm staying with you or remaining connected to my father. Because that's yeah. a horrific thing to do to somebody. Yeah. And this- you've made up a lie that your dad, that my dad has electric <laughs> Or I think that you're so insane that you would, uh, like my dad was like, hey. I don't really like you. And you're like, he's bad me to a chair and electrocuted. Like that relationship needs to end one way or the other. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it's, um, and I think like meet the parents tries to ground it in like sweet music and like little moments, but like they don't actually find any moments of comfort, which is like, Mm -hmm. it makes it act like a stress test. This movie, um, I don't like either of them f- enough for it to function as a stress test. Even so, it, it has it has no it has no is viability. There any, is there anything that funny? So like, I, I don't think there's a, so like, like okay. I think I think the kitchen scene. The only part that I thought was really funny. Now, some of this I don't find funny in general because uh, if you've owned a home. Homes are just, like, a mess of, like, what am I going to find next? Even ones that, like, you have the inspector in there. So, like, some of that's just stressful. But the only part I was f- I thought was funny was, like, after the kitchen electrocution scene and then, like, something falls, I forget, like, through the floor and Tom Hanks, like, insane laughter. Oh, and, his like, tub laugh. The tub uh, moment. Yeah, the tub. Yeah. Like, that was funny. Like, him just having a... A full sixty second nervous breakdown through laughing. But that's was good. That's that's uh that's the movie in a nutshell, right? Is that Tom Hanks was given this like window to like <laughs> and just do like make nuts noises for I don't know sixty seconds. It goes on for a while, and uh, and it's funny. And then the entire movie, Shelley Long was never directed to do anything. So she's just like, I'm going to stand here in this scene. And you're like, 
I, no, no, like, come up with something. Like, you need to have comedic instincts here. You worked in a fucking sitcom. Like, do, do you got nothing for this camera? Well, and more than that, you don't even know what she, is she feeling like. What is? I have no idea what she's feeling in that moment. Like, is she stressed? Is she uh, annoyed with Tom Hanks? Like, I have no idea what her feeling Even is if she was just staring dead-eyed like she'd just seen a war atrocity, it would have been funny because she would have been bouncing off of Tom Hanks' manic energy. Instead, she's just there, like, kind of reacting, puzzled, kind of. Like, it just doesn't – the comedy doesn't work in the movie. And, like, I like – I like certain little moments of like everything going wrong because it's fun to watch these Rube Goldberg final destination things go wrong. Yeah, but, but I think only the kitchen one really even pays off that. The rest is like something falls down. Th- this movie is theoretically funny. Everything in the movie is theoretically funny. So like uh, the dude who says like he's like, oh, next week I'm going to this is uh, the Tom Hanks is like fat lawyer dude. It's like oh, yeah. Tom Hanks' overweight lawyer dude is like, I'm going to run 1K next week. And you're like, I guess that's theoretically funny because people talk about running 5, 10Ks and marathons and stuff. Okay. And then you're like, I guess that's that is registering as some of the fixings for a joke. And then he goes on and then they're like, uh, he starts to die. And they're like, uh, this is my, this is his seventh heart attack <laughs> in five months. And I'm like, that's sort of a joke. I just really want this guy to get better. It seems like he's trying really hard to get in shape and he seems like he has a good attitude about it. What is what is this scene? Is this a joke scene? Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's throughout the movie like like what like something that would have been funny in a different movie is like after all this stuff with the house is at some point he leans against a tree and the tree falls down. Like that's funny in theory. Except that that's followed with him telling Shelley Long saying even the th- trees are falling apart or something like that. And she's like, the the response line, both written and delivered, is bad. It's, even the trees are falling apart. And that's it. Oh, okay. Like, either leave the tree as just a sight gag, or you need something besides, I don't know, skepticism of the, the tree? Like, I don't, it's just, it's it's like, even when they have the germ of a joke, they're like, uh, it's it's like someone starts a really good setup. You're like, okay, listening, and the joke is like just something like lazy and offensive or something like that. You're like, oh, so it's just like a joke about how you know that stereotype. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'm out. Yeah, it's uh, it's not uh, funny. I'm on a gritty remake of this. Is that Duplex? It's, I guess Duplex. I've never seen Duplex, but it might be. <laughs> that sounds like the gritty remake, but the real gritty remake would be like uh, a handheld Dogma 95 movie, just about a couple discovering problems in their dream home that they just bought. He's just like, yeah. He's like, the, the pipes are not up to code. This is going to cost us thousands of krona. <laughs> Uh, I didn't know Herzog was so uh, integral to the Dogma 95 <laughs> movement, but I guess if he got a good German accent, st- why try to do Lars von Trier? <laughs> you can do Herzog. It's fine. Uh, there appear to be a small leaking problem into the sub-basement. We can, however, address it in the fall. Yeah, I definitely think uh, Werner Herzog 
would have uh, not been a fan of the Dogma 95 restriction. Like, <laughs> no, I'm going to uh, move the steamboat over the mountain. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm not going to leave it as it is per, per Dogma 72. <laughs> Hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch a movie of just Warner Herzog reading all the Dogma 95 rules and explaining why he thinks they're stupid. <laughs> I I uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but I have a lot of money and I can afford a bipod. Thank you. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna write a movie. It's just I'm just gonna put a camera in his face. He appeared in an incident at Loch Ness. Maybe I gotta talk to Zach Penn or whoever got him to do that. <laughs> um, and uh, we're gonna call it Herzog '95, and it's just an unbroken camera shot of him with like a scroll of all of them going through. And here, this one also stupid. <laughs> I am lactose intolerant, so I will not adhere to this particular rule. Why would you think uh, playing music in the scene itself is any different than uh, layering it over the scene? Uh, it is still a choice by an editor to put the music in. Um, why uh, compromise the sound so, so blatantly uh, as some sort of ultimate fuck you to all of your watchers? <laughs> If, if Dogma 95 was so good, then why did the film Dogma not even follow its own rules? You notice they never made a Dogma 96. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this bit was called... Werner Herzog gets mad at Dogma 95 rules. Um, uh, I, I think that probably is a real life thing. I think it's more than a bit. Uh, My guess is it's a thing that exists in real life. I think you probably could have found Herzog in a cabin circa 2000 and going, going put some damn electricity. These, these guys <laughs> seem like total pieces of shit. <laughs> the whole point is that we are men who are taking nature and saying fuck you and we are going to put spotlights on you and we are going to film you the way that we want to <laughs> I say fuck you to nature by natural lighting <laughs> I say Fuck you to nature by putting down actual railroad tracks for my tracking shot. <laughs> the sun will burn out, and then where will Dogma 95 be? <laughs> Unable to light scenes. More like, this, this, this joke works better in German, but more like Toilet 95. It's very funny in the German. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't even respect the rules of nutrition uh, when I ate my entire shoe and <laughs> pooped it out laces first. Nature insists that you not eat shoes. I tell nature to go away. First I killed a horse and I made the shoe with the horse leather and then it's a man-made product 
but made of nature, and then I ate it whole. I, I love I love listening to you, and I'm sure I'm doing the same thing, but I love listening to your accident and go weave between Christopher Walken and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yours is doing Schwarzenegger, too. It's like sometimes it's very like, listen, I'm Werner Herzog. Listen, this is Werner Herzog speaking to you right now. Look, Uncanny Impressions has always been a basic thing that we've offered. I think that we've uh, we've delivered. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, IQ, we have 10 minutes. Yeah, not good. Uh, terrible, actually. Like, extremely offensive. I hate it. Oh, yeah. Also, uh, there's I, a whole thing with uh, about uh, a, a drag group or something, and it's played as a big joke. Oh, yeah, because he's, he's a heavy metal lawyer. I don't know. Yeah, the movie is also uh, deeply transphobic. So uh, let's not do – is there anything else you got on this thing? I don't – Yeah. Uh, I wish I had uh, a refund. Um <laughs> This movie was this movie was a money pit of its own. <laughs> I will give it this. It does represent truth in advertising if you paid for the HD rental. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so IQ, uh, it's basically uh, asks, finally answers the universal question. What if Einstein had a niece that uh, he wanted to help get fucked um, by it? By an auto mechanic. Oh my god, do we get um, to do more German accents this time? I want to see the cargo room. <laughs> I want to see my... the cargo room. Uh, yeah, so Walter Matthau plays Albert Einstein, who has a niece who, who also is tr- Albert, what? Which part did I say wrong? No, I said Albert. <laughs> That's just being a dick. You oh, said Albert right. Einstein. I said who? Yeah, Albert Einstein has a niece. It's Meg Ryan. She's also super smart, uh, but worry she's not as smart as fucking Einstein. <laughs> and whether she should abandon smartness to be a stay-at-home wife for a uh, another smart guy played by uh, Stephen Fry. Uh, Which is pre- he's fuck? pretty cool for a Fry guy, you know? Oh, my God. You mean pretty fly for a Fry guy? <laughs> Literally do not give a shit. Keep going. Okay. So, anyways... So they're dating, but they're like, we're not really in love, but this makes sense as a couple, and you will raise our children smart. And she's like, I kind of like, I'm good at this science stuff. My fucking uncle's Albert Einstein. Can I, can I, like, he's like become a scientist <laughs> too? Yeah. Um, so, anyways, so Albert Einstein's like, don't like that. So, him and his other old German geniuses who are fucking idiots. But that's the joke because they're Albert Einstein and and other probably real German scientists. They like can't get their their frisbee out of the tree, and and like many jokes like that. Anyways, so they meet Tim Robbins, who's like a Tim Robbins type. I don't talk or have feelings or emotions. Auto mechanic, but he sees Meg Ryan is like I want to fuck her. Literally, like the first conversation is about a premature ejaculation joke, and it makes you uh, dislike both of them immediately. Dislike both. Yep. Oh, sorry. All three of them. All three of them are uh, dumbasses in their own unique way. Yeah. So Albert Einstein is like, look, Meg Ryan only likes smart people. You, you're kind of smart and you definitely have an interest in learning more. But I'm going to give you one of my old theories and pretend you came up with it to fool Meg Ryan into thinking you're a super genius. Uh, and then all of us are going to coach you as you go on a lecture tour and meet the fucking president. Because I'll tell you what. 
the thing that he convinces them that he's invented, not like a small little thing, but fucking unlimited energy with cold fusion, which I got to tell you, feels like not a sustainable lie, Albert Einstein. Where'd he go, (laughs) Einstein? That's where it came from. Someone watched this movie and went, cold fusion? That's not sustainable as a lie. Like, people are going to want to use that at some point. Oh, way to go, Einstein. Uh, And that's where... That phrase comes from the more you know. Uh, so anyways, yeah, so he goes on like a lecture tour while they get coached by these four bumbling idiots. And, and Stephen Fry is all excited, so wants to do psychological experiments on how this auto mechanic came up with cold fusion. Anyways, at the end, the president comes and they're like, we're, we're going to make sure the Russians don't get you. And he's like, oh, shit, this got out of hand. And he's like, actually, I'm not a genius. Everyone's been lying to you, but I the one thing I didn't lie about is that I love you. And she's like, fuck you, I love you too. And that's the end of the movie. Um, yeah, that's the movie. The movie is a smug, elitist piece of shit, and I hate it because it's basically one of these, like, it's like a fucking, uh, it's like a calendar that you buy for your dad that's like, genius <laughs> quote of the day. And it's like, Huh, they're looking for aliens on Mars. Huh, they're looking for intelligent life out in the universe. Guess what, bub? They haven't found it on Earth yet. <laughs> I I will say this, though, and I feel bad admitting this. The reason I like this a little more than the money pit is I kind of like the side thing that's going on, where which is, what if smart people were actually just stupid goofs? <laughs> because, like... Armin Mueller Stahl, I think, is one of them, and Walter Matthau. Walter like, Matthau comes like, out of this looking very good, and no one yeah. else does, except for those yeah, guys. Like, yeah, they're all funny, and like the funniest part of this movie is a part where they're giving Tim Robbins a genius test. It's multiple choice in front of people, and he has to answer really quick, um, and they start – uh very obviously making noises when the answer is a because there's three of them so it's like a b c there's four of them it goes to e so they're like one of them will cough if they're in the b position in the seating and then he knows it's b and but that one point make ryan coughs and she would be the e which hasn't come up yet and they all look at him and go like do like a little head shake and go no that wasn't part of this she just really did cough um and like that describing any little moment like that is sounds not funny, but like those little moments where they are just stupid goofs trying to come up with a schemes and plans is like those parts have some not laugh out loud funny, but some charm. I don't know. I, I like the old guys getting up to mischief as its own thing, but like anytime they have to talk, they throw out these like dumb smug aphorisms and like none of them are funny it just feels like you're reading a quote calendar like it's just like it's just like this uh this like here's what wit is a mark twain quote like there's no there's no like in the moment realness at all it's just like this this like contrived dumping machine for cutesy quotes that like yeah that doesn't work as a movie like this is the this is the movie that's like a fucking uh it's it's quote machine the movie and i i hate it so much but here's the thing is that the lie at the center of it is frustrating a lot of the other things that are frustrating there's nothing as frustrating for me as the uh, as the make or the sorry the uh tom hank shelly long like last half hour 
And so, like, that's why I give IQ, like, a slight edge. Uh, I don't know, man. This movie has, like, 45 minutes of that lie. Like, the, the, the time you have to spend on that lie but, is but so again, much more. But, again, like, that, like, I'm not who I say I am, like, that's fucking Aladdin. Like, that's every romance. Like, I know it's a bad trope. I'm not saying it's not a bad trope and there's not a lot to peel back in. But, like, that is not that is not an uncommon romantic comedy trope. It's just done so poorly here and everything else is done so poorly. It stands out because you're not rooting for them as a couple because they have no chemistry. I, I just it's just amazing that like the few scenes between Walter Matthau and Meg Ryan make me wish that this movie was just about. Uh, yeah, their friendship old- like that. Tim Robbins has more chemistry with Walt, Walter Matthau. Like they do have some weird thing, even though they're saying such dumb fucking lines like. Uh, Albert Einstein and his goof around friends like asking uh, Tim Robbins deep questions and they're always like truly impressed with how this common guy has these like answers that pierce through the question like they really are impressed they're not mocking him and but they're so dumb they're like uh, Tim because I forget what his name is in this movie and I don't care they're like Tim do you think there is a diligent life on other planets and he's like some would say that there's not intelligent life down here. And everyone's like, oh, wisdom. <laughs> Everyone is patting so themselves on the back. I think there's just a lot of rich elitist bullshit about being rich and elitist. And it's people showing off for each other in, at these rich people parties where you're not allowed to be yourself. And then the movie has the smugness to also flip it around and say like, Oh, also, Meg Ryan doesn't quite fit in with all these people. She She's making references to sexual stuff at these, like... Yeah. And, like, the movie can't figure out if she fits in with the establishment perfectly because she makes all the same smug, boring, awful jokes that they do, or if she doesn't fit in with the establishment because she is somewhat sexually liberated. I don't... I don't know where to place it. But I don't know if she said – because her whole thing is like debating like do I continue to pursue the thing I'm good at or do I give it up so I can be a housewife? And like that that conflict is not played for the liberation component. It is played for which one do I want to do more? Like it's like considering two careers as opposed to like literally being asked to abandon a career. Like there's, there's probably a lot to say there. And oh my god, yeah. Like, and the movie's like, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> She's picking between two jobs. Um, and that's why I love I love Brooklyn, which we talked about earlier this month, because Brooklyn manages to make the two men seem like two roads that life could go down. Because the two men involve two different careers, two different jobs, two different countries. Like, there's like a clear division between what those choices mean. In this, there's not a clear division of what the choices mean. Stephen Fry is smart and will provide security to her. but And a- wants her to be like... He is supportive of her up until the point that they get married. And it doesn't seem like fake supportive. Like, yes, you do this now. But once it is like you are brilliant and I want you to raise our kids like it's it's weird. I don't know what the movie's trying to say, except that it's bad. Yeah, I, I, I think it's just a bunch of ideas thrown together and they don't want to make a hard decision for Meg Ryan. Tim Robbins auto mechanic who is lying to her 
Like the the yeah. choice is already the choice is very interesting on its own without the lying. Like the choice is like a man who respects you and respects your intelligence and can keep up and has a sense of uh, energy and vigor and, and romanticism about life, but doesn't have the money or a guy who will provide financial support, but is only sort of um, he's he's emotionally supportive to you in a way that's very surface level. He calls you sweetie and honey and like takes you to fun parties or whatever, you know, he takes you to boring yeah. parties. But like th- th- that choice is interesting enough. And then they make Tim Robbins a liar and they make Stephen yeah. Fry an asshole. And you're like, why do you need to fucking hedge your bets so much? in this movie that already has a clear obvious choice that all the editing and all the music and all the performances are leading us to believe she will end up with Tim Robbins. We know it's going to fucking happen. You don't have to make it easier for us. Yeah. And again, to kind of circle back to the final question here, which is would Tom Hanks be better in this? Yes. Like, Oh my God. Like, first of all, Tim Robbins is a charisma vacuum, but one thing that would have sold this character a little more is like an actual feeling that he is like in love with her or infatuated or something with her. Tom Hanks is a very good comedic actor. He also fucking kills it at like believable and, and non creepy intensity, right? Like that's why he's so good in, you know, uh, a lot of the dramas that he ended up starring in because like he's good at like taking a line like, I'm a simple auto mechanic, but all I know is I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And even though that's dumb and it's romantic comedy cliche, he has his way of kind of dropping his eyes and speaking a little slower. That A, doesn't make it seem creepy, which is extremely important. You need to – romantic comedies have a ton of creepy cliches they use all the time that real life would scream you – would send you screaming for the hills. Tom Hanks is very good at just seeming believable. But then also having some – level of intensity that would win her over where tim robbins is like yeah i just want to spend the rest of oh is that a butterfly oh sorry uh rest of my life with with you like he just he doesn't he doesn't seem like he's actually like there's any feeling or anything that he has for her at all and then like you can see that tim rob because you buy the intensity of how much this auto mechanic has fallen for meg ryan then i think it even makes the lie plot a little more believable because and a little more easy to accept at the end not in real life but again just approaching it from the romantic comedy lying cliche which is garbage but from that perception you have like Oh, I was just so in love with you and that was really my focal point that I got sucked up in your uncle's plan without really seeing how dumb this all was because I was kind of like singularly focused on being closer to you in some respects, right? And then that somehow I think would make it again, not a good movie, but those components that you know Tom Hanks could deliver – would make it a better movie. And the problem with this is that, like, Tim Robbins seems more happy playing the professor or the genius. He seems more engaged in those moments because he has so much better chemistry with Walter Matthau than he does Meg Ryan that it seems like he actually liked all the lying and making up bullshit part, which is – and it totally loses track of the whole – doing this to be closer to Meg Ryan as, you know, toxic in behaviors that is, like, it's especially, like, not something that's palpable for audiences if you're like, oh, you're really fucking enjoying lying. 
Uh, oh my oh, god! Do yeah. you even like Meg Ryan? Like, how can you go back from that? You can't because he seems more at home giving a big speech with a goofy smile than when he sees Meg Ryan. So I don't know. Like, he seems to be in love with being a fake professor. Yeah. You should marry that. Yeah, I, I, everything you said is true. <laughs> the movie finds a way, just like uh, Money Pit does. To distract us so much from the love plot that it makes us realize how little the love plot actually matters and how how little uh, ground the love plot is actually standing on. It's very tough to watch something like this that's like so sweet and genuine, but like is so vacuous also. Like the movie is is reflects I said it reflected Meg Ryan in a sense that like um, she's this this big personality that likes the, the the pomp and circumstance and likes all the the showiness and the movie loves the showiness too with the, the score and the editing and the overlit scenes and everything. Tim Robbins also reflects in this movie because it's vacuous and empty, but like it it's technically a movie. Like yeah, yeah, this this is technically a movie. There's a a number of reels. Uh, there's three acts. Um, the the movie ends on a on an actual ending that you feel like that's the end of the characters like but it, it, it it's nonsense and it's basically like Tim Robbins his whole plot is basically like I'm one kind of insufferable which is like yeah. a Reddit bro who's just like I've watched Cosmos a couple times and now I know <laughs> everything about the universe let me tell you about atheism and then uh <laughs> And then he's like, I want to be another kind of insufferable, which is the Ivy League douchebag. Which is, and the liar. Yeah, and the li- the lying Ivy League douchebag, which is somehow worse than – at least the Ivy Leaguers did the fucking work, right? Um, yeah. And, uh, well, not really because Cold Fusion didn't work. So they – Albert Einstein knew that his idea didn't work, but enough that it would fool most people that looked at it because – they're not as smart as he is, essentially. Uh, yeah, I, I just love. Can we can we stop talking about the movie itself? Can we yeah, talk about, I mean, can we just talk about Walter Matthau now? He's good. I would recommend seeing movies he's in. That's not this. The, the grumpy old men movies are definitely worth checking out, and I definitely don't want to talk about IQ anymore, except for that Walter Matthau does a pretty fun. He he does a pretty fun Albert Einstein impression. He is not the problem with this movie at all. I think if the, I think he, if they had given him better lines, like this could have been a fucking Oscar contending thing. It could have been like uh, uh, Martin Landau as Bela Lugosi and Ed Wood. Yeah, I mean, if it was a better movie, because it, it was a good movie. Weird. Yeah, if 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 yeah. if. Um, I will say the last thing that really puts the final nail in the coffin is that um, one of our enemies of the show is in this movie, Peter. Oh, my God. I blocked it out. Now, I think we have three enemies of the show. Does that sound right to you? Uh, One we're going to cover in a movie next month. That's the Bjerks. The Craig Bjerks. Yeah, he's enemy of the show numero uno. Enemy of the show, turkey shoot guy. Oh, yeah. And he's, from he's not, wait, no, also. he's not. Yeah, he's not in this movie, but he is definitely a enemy of the show. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> yeah, I'm not turning around on Steve Rails like, back. He's, I'm not turning around yeah, on Rails Steve back, Rails back. Rails back is, I don't know, maybe he's, is Steve Rails back not an enemy, but he's more like a Dean Kane. 
Billy Zane situation where he's Kane Zane some, and Beck. Yeah, real Beck. Real Beck. Maybe he's not. I feel like I'm forgetting an enemy of the show. But the other enemy of the show is definitely in this movie is Frank Whaley. Oh my god. I mean, in the movie, in that he has one line. I think when he was kind of big. So putting Frank Whaley in this movie and giving him two scenes in one line is a nice fuck you. I appreciate what they did to Frank Whaley in this movie as a result. Uh, but it's, <laughs> I still have to see Frank Whaley. Not a fan of that. Yeah, he's uh, he's in uh, he's in fucking uh, monster trucks. Lest we forget, yeah. he's a drunk dad in monster trucks. Yeah, that was the that's when I kind of revealed my unending hatred of Frank Whaley. Um, and he's but I had to see him, Peter. He's a uh, he's a bargain bin. Um, what's his name? He's a car. He's a bargain bin. Kevin Corrigan. Well, Kevin Corrigan rules, and I would say that Frank Whaley is not a bargain at any price. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't think that's a fair comparison. I don't know why. Uh, Frank Whaley was weirdly in a bunch of movies I watched all at the same time in high school, like Swimming with Sharks and a couple other ones. And I think he's the worst actor, and I hate him. I mean, I hate his acting, but to underline, I hate him personally as well. Anyway... So I, we don't need to give final thoughts. I think the point here is is that we we did this month because not only are these three pretty good movies, some really good movies that Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan starred in, but the whole impetus of it is that they were in three movies together because they have amazing chemistry and truly were like Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks. Those were like the that was the top combination of romantic comedy leads. Because of how effervescent and how good their chemistry was. And these are two movies that star 50% of each of those people. Wait. I, that kind of implies that, like, each movie has, like, a top of Tom Hanks and then a bottom of Meg Ryan and vice versa. <laughs> yeah. Is there a centaur sitch? Uh, yeah. Like, where they are merged at the torso. <laughs> but so, so not so much that, but one of the people are in one of these movies. This is hard to say. You guys get it. I don't need to really keep plodding along in this direction. But I think this this unfortunately shows that you you can't have half a symbol. You, you need both to make them clang. <laughs> Oof. Rough. Uh, what am I, a writer for IQ? <laughs> I would say they're bad, bad Leroy Browns. They're bad, bad Leroy Browns. Um... I'm having a revelation. I feel like the fact that they distract from the main love plot is actually a blessing on both these movies. Because, like, imagine just spending more time with Shelley Long and Tom Hanks being... But that's the thing. We probably should have spent some time with them. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But imagine just spending more time with the, the movie thinking, this is working. These two people just occupying the same space. And then in IQ, IQ, imagine more time of Meg Ryan and, and Tim Robbins talking about their feelings about the universe. Like, on a Jesus, fucking boat. Jesus Christ. Yeah, these are bad movies. Uh, I would recommend if There's you're going to no make a romantic comedy. Option. No, if you're going to make a romantic comedy, make it with people that you want to see fuck. Um, as opposed to people that you want them to take away their genitals forever so that they don't uh, inflict them on anyone else. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's my screenwriting tip for how to write a romantic comedy. 
Uh, yeah, that's a great that's a great tip, and I will pass it on to future generations by not deleting it out of the edit. Uh, but yeah, this has been a great this has been a great month. I feel like we've had a chance to talk about what rom coms are and aren't, and I want to do another future rom com month where we just yeah tackle, definitely. like. Uh, best of the genre and we try and do like a hunt for like what is the what is the like uh what's the best the, the uh platonic perfect version of a rom-com i think it's you've got mail but we can try to find other ones uh anyway yeah this was a fun month and we're we're going back to our roots because a podcast that started primarily about genre and horror movies uh doing the money pit and iq maybe our nadir so we're gonna pick it back up we're gonna go uh we're gonna we're we're going on to space horror now this is i want you guys to follow me here this is horror movies specifically set in space now i know you're thinking you're like why say that just say sci-fi movies sci-fi horror movies well fuck you because we literally mean space you don't get to step foot on a planet motherfuckers (laughs) except in flashbacks or dreams i think i think that's actually accurate i don't know the order of the month yet but i can tell you what's coming next week which is event horizon uh with uh bridget taylor uh coming back for her either fifth or sixth appearance uh we're so excited to have her back Again, excited about that one. And then the next three, in no particular order, are Jason X, Sunshine, and the original Alien with two people I know in real life, uh, Dwayne and Crystal Nichols. It's going to be a fun month. I love I love all of these movies and to varying degrees. And it's nice that we'll finally – we finally we waited like almost three years, Peter, but we finally decided it was time for another Alien movie. Uh, and we're going to eventually do all the Alien movies before we kill this old podcast, you know? Alien vs. Predator, Requiem. Alien vs. Predator. Alien Isolation, the video game. Not that one. We'll do I'm that double scared. episode scared to with, do Colonel, with Colonel Marines. Uh, gonna, yeah, we're 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 gonna, yeah, we'll do Colonial Marines. I'm not scared those. to play that one. What, what did you say? Uh, I said Isolation. I'm too Is scared it Colonial? to play that one. I thought it was Colonel Marines. Oh, Colonel Marines. I thought it was the guy's last name. I thought he was Colonel Marines. <laughs> Colonel Marines, reporting for duty. Oh, man. Well, I guess, I guess we what division we're it. signing you up for? <laughs> <laughs> Space Navy. <laughs> I like that he's an enlistee that ends up a colonel <laughs> on day one. Yeah, so that's going to be really exciting. And we have, uh, I think, the rest of the year planned and a lot of exciting stuff coming up. So, Keep it tuned to this station. Don't have bad IQ and turn it off this station and sink all your uh, hard-earned cash into some sort of money pit podcast. Uh, this one's free. So, yeah. This one's no worries there. for free. And today especially, we delivered you that level of quality. <laughs> uh, good night. Good night. Einstein, I go, go.
folks. Thanks for listening to We Love to Watch. Thank you so much for listening to our show. And we've got just a few quick announcements for you. There ain't nothing in the rule book that says that we can't do some of our own plugs, baby. If you'd like to talk to us... Uh, Tell us we're stupid. Tell us we're beautiful. The quickest way to get to us is our Facebook group, facebook.com slash we love to watch or our website, wltwpodcast.com. Leave us a comment. Tell us we're doing a good job. Only tell us we're doing a good job. We're so sensitive. We're sensitive boys. We're soft boys. And uh, if you'd like to help other people, if you enjoy our show and want other people to be able to listen to this fine, fine program that we produce at no cost, we don't get any money for this. You guys have yet to pay us anything. We live and we breathe off of good reviews from iTunes. So if you would please go to iTunes, review our show, give us a positive rating. We would love to get more and more people involved in this show and this community. I know you hear it all the time, but it really does help. And we're also available, if you don't use iTunes, we're also available on Google Music, Stitcher, TuneIn. We're currently on SoundCloud. We'll take that out if SoundCloud goes away. (laughs) That's it. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned, guys, on our Facebook page especially. We're going to have a lot more polls, a lot more prizes, and a lot more uh, interaction with you guys. So keep it tuned in. Uh, Let us know what you guys are thinking. And again... Above all else, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch.